Hey, this is Chris Red. You're listening to Improv Nerd. Jimmy, Jimmy Corain, Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Jimmy Corain's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Oh, hey, everybody, Jimmy. this is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd, sponsored by my award-winning classes here in Chicago, The Art of Slow Comedy, where we teach you before you can be funny, you need to be real. Classes start in January. For more information, go to jimmycorain.com. That's my website, jimmycorain.com. Also, we are sponsored by the good people at Hotel Lincoln. So the next time you find yourself here in the city of Chicago and you're looking for a cool boutique hotel that's close to everything, it's not only pet-friendly, it's also improviser-friendly as well, check out the official hotel of Improv Nerd, Hotel Lincoln. Our guest today is a triple threat. He's a stand-up, he does sketch, he's an improviser. He's Chris Red, and these are the kind of interviews I love because Chris was so open and so honest about his growing up and how he almost got involved in, in being in a gang. Uh, he talked about uh, doing stand-up and how he the difference between the north side audience of Chicago and the south side audiences in Chicago and what he learns from those audiences. We also talked about having to make a hard decision at Second City. He was in uh, the Second City ETC cast, and he decided uh, to uh, not do that show and do a sketch show for NBC. We talked to him about why he decided to come back to Chicago and not stay in L.A. A lot of people, uh, once they go out there and they taste the the fame and fortune, they want to stay out there and what he wants to do coming back. I also admired his work ethic. You're going to get a lot out of this interview. But before we get to the interview, um, you might detect a little stress in my voice, a little tension in my throat. And that's because I am sitting on our new couch that we got today. It took us a couple months. We had to order it. And uh, for the last uh, three or four years since I've, I've been uh, living with Lauren, we've been using my furniture that I'd gotten from my parents. They gave it to me about about 12 years ago when I moved into an apartment in Chicago. And then we, I've just been moving it. It's, it's, it's actually in its fourth home. Uh, and so we've got this brand new green beautiful couch, but we also have a cat. And our cat Coco, uh, in the last hour, has been trying to scratch the couch, which has made me very tense because I can't enjoy anything, anything good. I can't enjoy it. So I'm trying to, as I record this, I'm trying to protect Coco from scratching the sides of our couch. Um, We need to go out and get a water bottle because we've been told that that's what you do. You kind of just squirt a little mist in, in towards the cat's face, and then the cat will be trained and learn not to be s- scratching on the couch. But we're not there yet. We don't have that water bottle. So um, I'm sitting tight, tightly here uh, and really, really um, n- have a lot of anxiety about that. Uh, enough about me, enough about my cat Coco, enough about the couch. You want to hear Chris Red. It's a wonderful interview. You're going to get so much out of it. Here it is, the Chris Red interview. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd, oh yeah. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd. Hello. Thank you. Hey. I'm glad this finally worked out. Yeah, um, man. Uh, it's a nice carpet. Is that the, he's banging to the carpet. Yes, thank you. 
Are you joking that it's a nice compliment? No, it's a nice compliment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about you. Okay. Okay. Does that make you nervous? Nah, I don't, I don't get nervous. You never get nervous? Nah, I just poop and live. You just poop and live. Okay. So. It's my life, man. We were talking backstage, and you said growing up that you were depressed. Yeah, I went through a stage of that, yeah. And can you tell us a little about it? Um, yeah, ooh, we getting real fast. Uh, yeah, I just, I had, um, I, I wanted to fit in. I was, that one, I was one of those kids that wanted to fit in. I had, a, I grew up a lot, and a lot of my stand-ups about it, too, was like uh, trying to fit in with a lot of my family members um, who were like, in my family, you have thugs, and we have, like, army men, and then my mom, who's, like, an insurance lady. <laughs> It broke the mold for my whole family. So like, I was infatuated with wanting to be a thug for a long time. So I always wanted to fit in, but I, I was spinning. You know, we moved to all these suburbs. I, you know, my street cred wasn't strong, and, <laughs> and when you're young and you and you, I would just say it, dumb. You you know, you, you you gravitate towards things that are like exciting because you don't know anything about it. So I just. I just hated where I was from or who, who I was, and I always thought I was this and that. I didn't love myself enough, and I didn't know who I was, so I was, I was just depressed and, and uh, most of the time, very shy, very introverted, wouldn't speak to anybody. Write these, I would write these like raps about Barney. It was really weird. And, um, Barney raps? Yeah, man. How, I was young. I started what they, what they sounded like? or what It was about went? just like tearing Barney from limb to limb for no reason. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> just the most violent, yeah, like... Yeah. Barney raps, yeah, and I, I was, at one point, I, I, um, I was so depressed as a kid, like, it was like 10, 11, I, that's when I could start getting into rap and the whole, like, hip-hop culture and all that, and, like, yeah, the raps were very innocent, I didn't know his shit, I was a, you know, child, and, um, and I, but I uh, had this horrible day at school, um, and I came home, and I was mad about it, I'm like, oh, I hate myself, and I wrote this letter about, like, things I want to do to myself, and I just left it on the counter for my parents to see, it was, like, in the open by, like, bread. And I was like, yeah, they'll see it. And then they didn't take it seriously. So I stopped taking myself seriously. It's like, I guess I don't have a problem. And then I just moved on. Now, I, I, I still had image problems. I still tried too hard for a lot of my life. But it, like, I knew I didn't want to like, I wasn't that, I wasn't like the depressed that they Well, is that why you, know, you told no. me that you did some bad things as a kid? Oh, that was just, yeah, influences, me trying to prove myself. What kind of stuff did you do? Uh, stealing. Selling things you shouldn't sell, st selling things I stole. Uh, what kind of stuff did you steal? I'm oh, fascinated. I'm like a, I'm like an amateur <laughs> criminal. Like as a hobby, if you could do criminals as a hobby. Yeah. Oh, like I was a kleptomaniac for sure. Okay. Like, like so anytime I would go into a gas station, literally, like I was steal like gum. I, I felt like in my mind, paying for gum was stupid. So I just, okay. I would steal like really small things all the time, but then like I was, you know, I was still licking and sell it to like high school kids. I was in high school at the time. I wasn't grown selling to high school kids. That's right. Yeah, weird. I want people to know that on the podcast that yeah. you were in high school. I was in high school doing these things. Right, because the other so, thing is I wasn't like a 30-year-old man going creepy. to a high school selling you creepy, you were I was more ambitious. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, but I was, I, was, I was smart, I was just using it for the wrong things. Like I would mark it up, I would mark up the prices, I would sell it for like 50 bucks. And I went to a white high school, so these kids were rich and they were like, yeah, 50 bucks for a bottle of vodka? Years later, they're probably pissed right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I, I mean, I, I used to make 400, 500 bucks every football game, every Friday. I would like, throughout the week, I would just like have my stores that I would go to. And, I, and there's other stuff I really don't, don't want to talk about. But, <laughs> 
like that was the st yeah. I was. What I was, was the was part of not fitting in? Or you you were black in an all white school. Yeah, but like we were, we're from the south, and we spent a lot of time in the south. We went to a year round school until I was about eight, and then we always went to uh, Mississippi and spent like two three uh, weeks there at a time throughout the year. So we would go down at least twenty five times. So I I was in, So I had like my culture. So I wasn't like black enough to hang with the thugs and not get made fun of all all the time. But I wasn't like white enough to have like a ton of white friends because I, so I was lost. I didn't feel like I was a part of any certain group of people. Almost like uh, we interviewed Key and Peele and they're biracial. Yeah. It, almost, they're, they're, it, it almost seems like it's the same thing. Right. Like you don't identify with the white and you don't identify with the blacks yeah. and then you get shit from both people. Is right. That, yeah. Like I, like there, I, had, I had friends. It, was, it wasn't like I was like a lonely kid. I felt lonely, but I was, I had a couple friends here and there. And, um, but I didn't play sports. So that's like how black kids integrate into white schools. Like you play sports. So then everybody's like, hey, we know you. Or you're like, you're good at something. So when I started getting good at rap, like I started battling and started making fun of kids when I was rapping. Like that's when I started get, like, getting these fake friends. I mean, friends are like, hey, we don't want to hang out with you, but we love being around you right now. <laughs> you know? So the white kids dog that, right? Yeah. Okay. So I got a ton of white friends. Mm -hmm. Because After of I started rapping? rapping. Yeah, and, okay. and there's black friends too. And, and then like, well, when I started running the streets, that's when I started getting like the wrong black friends, but I got the black friends that I wanted to, to hang out. And when you mean running the streets, what do you mean? Uh, we would skip school, go to the west side, hang out with my West side of Chicago? Yeah. Right? And just like, dude, this now I like now we're talking about it, it sounds so stupid. I would leave school to go out and just hang around the street all day. Like that's <laughs> literally what we did. We just hung around the street on the block and just hung out. And like we fought people a lot. We fought a lot. A lot of fighting. A lot of you, fighting. You don't yeah. seem like a fighter. Yeah, I don't. And on every fight we went to, the biggest guy was. I was like, I take him. I don't know why, because I don't look like a fighter. But I can't fight. My, my dad was like, you're going to be short. He, he put me in karate, kickboxing. I know how to defend myself, but I'm not the first pick in a fight. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't even pick myself. <laughs> and the other thing I, I found interesting was you had a speech impediment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I used to, um, uh, battle rapping was how I got over it. Like, I used to, like, we used to write these battle raps every day before now, school. Now, what, what, what are battle raps? So basically, like, it's like rap, but you're making fun of somebody. Um, through the rhymes, so like, I'd say Jason wants to battle me. Like I would write, I would write some, like a, a page of rhymes against Jason, just talking about how his underwear is dirty, you know, and just like make fun <laughs> and rhyme it with thirty, and just like, <laughs> like go there and rap it to him. But I wasn't good enough to memorize it yet, so I would write it down and just we would just read these battles to each other, <laughs> and I would stutter all the time. So it was like. We had a crowd of people because everybody knew us, so we were like, yeah, and then it was excruciating because we would stutter all the way through this battle. And me, I was like, you're going to get it. And like, by the time I got to the middle of the page, there was no crowd. And we were just sitting there with two pieces of paper just looking at each other. <laughs> uh, but that was, I mean, but over time, I eventually like, learned how to freestyle, which is like rapping off the top of the head. And, and once I learned how to do that, it kind of just faded away. It, it, it's there every now and then, but like I've, it's and you, nowhere near as where it was. And you loved it so much that you then that's what you wanted to be, yeah. a rapper. And then that encouraged me to go out and do some thug shit even more. So now what I had to, I had to go I had to go spend more time in the streets because I was in the suburbs. So okay. now when you people, were in Naperville, which is yeah. like this lily white 
Yeah. Very conservative suburb. Very racist. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Did you experience racism? I did. Like, a lot. Give me yeah. an example. Uh, okay. There's a friend. I had a friend named Laura. Uh, I don't know. B. I don't, okay. I don't remember her last name, but her name was Laura, and I'll never forget her first name. Uh, and I saw her outside outside of class. Right. We have been going to school together for me for three, four years. She comes up because she ain't went on vacation for a week, so she comes up and runs up and hugs me, just jumps on me. I hold, I'm holding her. This lady comes up and like, "Hey, you get off her! You get off her! You don't have to! You don't have to hug him!" If he and treated me like I was like doing something to her, like I shouldn't be touching her, like don't stick up, like I was beating her basically with how she treated me, right? So they they pulled me into the office and they locked me in this room for the rest of the day. This is second period, so this is in Naperville School. Yeah, okay. Nequa Valley. Okay. Where's the camera? No, I'm playing. <laughs> um, like they, no, they, they wrote they wrote some papers about it later on. At, but um, uh, yeah, and so like that was that's one of many. Like there have been times where kids threatened to stab me in school, and I would threaten to beat their ass, and I would get sent down. But they'd be sitting there just reading and shit. Like nothing happens to them. And what did you say when you went home to your parents? I would say, man, this thing happened. But you got to think. Uh, my parents are Southern, and they also grew up where, like, my, my mom was the only black uh, girl in her class. She got milk poured on her. I mean, she, they dealt with some bullshit. So when they heard my shit, they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not cool, but, like, they, just, they didn't take it as serious, you know? And, uh, and that, that's their one regret. And they'll, they'll say that any day of the week. They, that, that, that they didn't go? They didn't take my, uh, my complaints as serious, because I wasn't doing good in school. I was also skipping class. So when you got uh, like a kid who's skipping class, it's like, they're picking on me. They're like, right. yeah, yeah, you're full of shit. All right, so now you're running the streets because you're doing rap. Right. Uh, so explain that to me. Uh, it's not you... because I'm doing rap, but it influenced me to want to go do more bad shit to build up my, this, this, like, this cred that I needed. But, but a rapper has to do bad things? No, okay. that's the thing. But in my mind, that's what I thought. You know? so, so now, how are you, you, you raising the bar of doing bad things? Oh, all the time. Just by constantly. Like, I ran with a couple gangs. And you were in a gang? I, no, I'm not, I, was, I, ran, I was affiliated okay. with a gang for okay. a long time. You didn't have a full-on franchise. I didn't have a franchise. Okay. Uh, and it, I, yeah, like my cousin was a chief of a gang, so he blessed me. Being with, what does blessing mean? It means that you're related to somebody who's actually a gangster. And so they vouch for you, you know, because you, there's no way you should be a gangster, but because they vouch for you, now you are a part of this game. So what do they say? Chris can, he does I, these great raps, well, it, he's it, really funny. No, that's okay. an awful way to <laughs> uh, start. Yeah. Those are all the reasons why you should never be a gangster. He has really great raps. Right. Uh, <laughs> He makes great muffins. Right. I'm telling you, this kid has a future. The muffins are so moist. They are so moist. <laughs> also, never use the word moist with thugs. Okay, great. Uh, no, but... Um, I am so street. <laughs> you are, you are so street. Well, how you, get, how you get in a gang is you get jumped in, or they do like... Jumped in, what do you mean? Jumped in means it's like... Um, six, uh, for the GDs went, who I was affiliated with, it was like 10 minutes of hell. So basically, anybody who's around beats you up for 10 minutes. With like yeah, it sounds real stupid, but, but it like happens the, to so many people. What do you mean, like with their fists? With their fists, yeah. That's one way of, of being initiated in a gang. Here in Chicago, what they do uh, on the south side and the west side is is uh, it's a, it's a murder it's a murder tag. So basically, they send you off, and you have to shoot. You have to kill someone, and that's how you get initiated. Which is a lot sadder and a lot darker. Yeah. Yeah, which happens all the time. All but right. That's yeah. Okay, so you don't know better. You you think being a rapper means you got to run around with. 
I, I'm like, I'm be a rapper, and I, these are my friends. My friends just happen to be people without parents, and, uh, and, and, and they were involved in these things. It's just like any other group of people. Like, you want to run with the people that you affiliate with. I was feeling very alone, and these certain type of kids felt like they, so we all had each other. We were family to each other. And so we just did, you know, we didn't think twice about things we did. And we just, like, we hated where we were at, and we wanted to, like. But you did pretty well, then, in the music business. Uh, I did decent. Okay. I could have done better if I had, a, had focus on it. The way I've done comedy, I would have been probably done a lot better. I was good at it, and I worked hard, and, uh, but I just tried to do too many things at once. So you're doing, you're rapping, and then all of a sudden, how do you define comedy? Uh, that was years later. Uh, I was 24 when I when I decided to take my first second city class, and I was just literally, I had been a booking agent. I say agent because I didn't file any paperwork. I was just like, was booking people. And Would that get you into a gang if you said you were a booking agent? Uh, <laughs> I'm a Nowadays, probably. Okay. Because <laughs> most of them are rappers and they want to be booked. Is uh, that true? A lot of gangsters are rap, become rappers? No, I feel like a lot of real gangsters are in jail or dead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of people want a persona so they can like sell records. Okay. Um, but you know, there's exceptions to every rule. I don't know everybody or everybody's history. But um, so yeah, comedy for me was like uh, after I got done booking um, like models and some artists for things for a couple of years, I, I knew I didn't want to manage, and I, I was uh, watching TV and I saw the uh, 50th anniversary with Steve Carell. He was playing with uh, Tina Fey, and I was a huge Steve Carell fan. What what was it about Steve Carell that you you liked? I, it was the fact that he could be so ridiculous, but bottled up in such a like a like a tight. He was just like you know how Steve is like in in, um, in uh, Bruce Almighty when he's like. That was what sold me on Steve, like where, where uh, Bruce takes over his voice and he just has him saying like crazy shit and me melting down, telling the news. That was my favorite scene for a long time, and I was like, uh, man, if he can do it, then I can do it. Then I realized who all went there, and I was like, oh yeah, now I want to take a class. Maybe I'm funny, because that's the one constant thing that's always been around. Like I've always been able to joke around, and it's got me out of a lot of fights that I knew I couldn't win. I would just joke. Like so, I was like, maybe that's just the thing I could do, and um, so I tried it. And then you approach it like college. You take a yeah. big chunk of money, right? Yeah, I said I was selling insurance at the time, an insurance job that I hated with all my heart. And uh, so I saved up $7,000 from that. And I saw this and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to school, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give all this money, and I'm just gonna do this. And whatever I have to do, if I have to go out every night and work on this comedy thing, that's what, that's what I'm gonna do. And so I just jumped in it. I've always been good at bad decisions, you know what I mean? It, that sounds like such a bad decision at the time. Like I had no idea how none of this money was coming back to me. I just, so you just said, "Look, I'm I'm quitting the insurance job. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to make a, a money. I'm going to take that seven thousand yep. dollars and I'm just going to invest it in class." Yep. And that's it. So then, what did you do? You went to Second City. Went to Second City. Went to I.O. at the same time. I took a A through E at uh, Second City, which was super slow. And for somebody who goes uh, goes from hanging out with gangsters every day to like <laughs> whooshing around a room, it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like just getting accepted. My, my, I will say this, if anybody who like has a similar path to me, the thing that actually got me stopped, uh, uh, stopping hanging out with so many gangsters all the time was my, when my good friends got shot. Dad, we went to his funeral, he was very young, to see, like 16 years old. And, uh, or 17, he was 17 years old, and we, we went to his funeral. That was the day uh, me and my brother, this guy I used to rap with a lot, uh, we stopped and we were like, you know what, we're just gonna be on the straight and narrow from here on out. Is it really easy to get out of a gang? Do they no, you don't get out of gangs. That's why I say like, I, I was in a gang, but I was like, 
no one's checking for me. Like you don't. It's not something you ever leave. Is what is. So I mean, like you I, my understanding. You don't go come around anymore, right? You don't are hanging out in the street. No, I, I mean, I, 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 hang, I don't hang out. Like we're not gonna go out and get drinks all the time. But right. like but people I talk to still. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of these people are family. But I'm saying when you leave the game. You're yeah. not hanging out with them. You're not running with them. No. Do they come and knock on your door and say, "Hey, where are you?" No. They. I wasn't that important. Okay. I feel like I feel like there was more important people involved in the game than me. Have any of those guys come to your shows? Uh, some people have asked to come to shows. Yeah, and they'll come. I, I you know, I invite them. If there's some people that you know, like everybody has those friends, like you don't like invite places. Yeah. Um, and I have family a, members too. And family members. Yeah. I have friends who will literally like want to fight over anything, you know what I mean? So if someone were to like, if I knew somebody and they knew I knew them, but like he, that person didn't speak right away, like he would get angry and be like, what, why did he speak to you? Oh no, motherfucker. You know, that's not somebody I want at shows or anywhere professionally ever, you know? Like that's just, yeah. How, how do you, how do you use this, all of this stuff that you had to fuel your comedy? Um, Man, it's, I mean, I guess it's in every it's it's in everything I, I guess I talk about really. I, I I still haven't used a lot of it. Like, you guys are laughing about things that I'm saying now, which I haven't even thought to talk about. So after the show, I will be writing about a lot of this shit. <laughs> um, because I've I've been I felt so ashamed about it. Because now that I know myself and who I am, like I feel like why I could have just been comfortable for so I could have been comfortable. What was the shame so about? Uh, it's just not knowing where I belong. You know, and and then then doing so many things that I regret now. You know, we did a lot of stuff that hurt a lot of people. Stealing from people hurt somebody else, and it helps his business and things I just weren't thinking about when I was young. And now now that like I'm somebody who wants to own a business, I'm like, man, if that happened to me, that would set me back. I would hate that. Like I would I hate that that is what I felt like I had to do when I had plenty of options to do other things. You know. So you're you you're taking classes in in IO yeah. and. and um, Second City. Mm -hmm. How do you get hired at Second City? Uh, th there's no, I guess, for me personally, uh, there's no way to, like, there's for sure way to get hired by Second City. But, like, for me, it was just, like, I did this uh, long-running sketch show uh, uh, with this group called The Freshmen, who, they were the first uh, black group I met at uh, Second City at the Outreach and Diversity Program. Um, and it was, like, a it's a group of 15 people at first, and we would do shows all the time, and then it got uh, shrunk down to like about five. And we ran, we ran into each other for about three or four years, I think, three or four. And, um, and that's where I learned how to kind of like develop stuff, and I kind of built a name off that, because I, I would write for them, and, and, um, and, we, would, and we had this long-running sketch show at Jokes and Oaks, which never happens. Where's Jokes and Oaks? On the south side, 47th and King, my favorite club, my home club. Shout out to Mary, love you. Uh, what do you love about it? You love black audiences? Uh, yeah, of course. But okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I love it because it's very, um, here we're very, up north we're very forgiving. Like if somebody fails on stage, it's like, you know, you, you move on. And for, for the people that are listening to the podcast, yeah. then north means north. White, white audience. Oh yeah, north side, it, not necessarily white audiences though. It's white audiences with sprinkle of color. Um, you know, it's, I'm not going to just ostracize people right. who are on the north side who are also black or Hispanic, whoever, whatever race. Uh, but yes, majority white audiences are up north, and, and they're more forgiving. Um, and on the south side, you, you do a bad joke, and you, you feel, you'll feel like shit for the entire month. Because like, they, they, you know, they're just very real. We just, um, as, Do they yell at you? No, 
Sometimes. Depend. <laughs> it depends on the day. You know, I won't say, I, I don't want to speak for every black audience that goes to Jokes and Notes. Okay. But I want to say that it's, it, it really shows you who you are and it builds a lot of character as far as your, your performance, how to handle an audience, how to keep people's attention that really don't want, they're, they're counting you out pretty quick. They're like, if you're not funny right away, I kind of don't like you already. Well, how do they let you know that they don't think you're funny? Let's so, okay, okay. Say you're doing you're doing a bad. You say you just told a bad joke. Okay, just told a bad joke. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, did you do you turn off the lights at the house? No, I think you did. They'll have a conversation about some other shit that has nothing to do with you for your entire set. <laughs> they will talk through your entire yeah. set. Through your entire set. They turn the lights on here. I, I think that was. Oh, that was a that was a bit. You can bring the, it was a bad one though. It was well. It was not constructed well. <laughs> Very confusing. So, so yeah. they will have a conversation. Do yeah. So, yeah. So, They'll talk. Um, some comedians in the back. They when I was there a lot, they would they used to make these bomb sounds like just whistling, whistling, dropping <laughs> bomb sounds. Yeah. That's exactly. You just brought back so many memories. Did that, was that traumatic? Are you having a flashback? No. I, okay. No. It didn't happen to me. Okay. Um, Luckily, I guess I bombed in the right places right. before I went there. But uh, yeah, it happened to a lot of my friends, and it would yeah, it's it it but it, it helps though because nothing else feels worse than that happening one time. You try to make sure it never happens. Is that worse than a heckler? Two people just having this conversation. During oh, your that I feel like that's worse. Is when people are you, they're saying you are so boring. We're talking like you're not there. You know what I mean? Like what you're doing right now. It's not important to us at all. That's worse than being booed. Like, I'd rather be booed. That's emotional, you know? So then Second City, you do this in, in uh, the, the show, the sketch show, yeah. it's Jokes and Notes, and then you get attention from them. Yeah, so they call me in to do a, this thing called Benchco, um, which is kind of like, um, basically, they pay us a little bit, bit of money to do, um, like, eight weeks of shows, and we get to write. So they kind of see what our writing is and work with us, and we get to work with a director. And I did that about uh, two times, I think. Maybe, maybe three, I may be missing one. But I, it was solid two, I'm very sure it was two times. So and then you end up on tour comp, tour comp for just a little over a year. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't that quick. Mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it, it was quick, but it wasn't that quick. It was like, I, I got hired to understudy, then I did some patch codes, and then I had three months of like no work at all. Um, and then I got put on tour comp. Okay, and then, then this is what I like. You, you're on ETC, they hire you, which is a resident company. Big yeah. freaking deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're there, you're, you're starting a new show, yeah. your first show there, Yeah. and then you decide to leave. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was the hardest decision in my career so far. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, so for people that don't know, you had a decision between finishing that show or going to LA and doing this NBC sketch show pilot, right? Right. How did you make that decision? Um, it was oh, it was a lot of different things. Um, it I could explain it or I, it, I, what do you, you want me to explain it? The whole process or just like what was the deciding factor? Like what was the deciding factor? Okay, my deciding factor was what would I regret more? Seeing a show that's up already, which I have done, and I'm very proud of everybody who's. Who's in that show? It's now you're show. saying that you got a big smile on your face. Yes. Is that like? But are you being diplomatic about no, this? No, I'm not okay. being diplomatic. I okay. would not do that. Okay. On your show. Okay. Thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. I know you want to hear the real shit, Jimmy. <laughs> I can tell by that sweater you want to hear the real yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's cashmere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Total. I love it. It's cashmere. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I would no. I, it's honestly like, what would I regret more seeing? All my friends who I worked for for a year in the sketch comedy pilot every week, 
doing new sketches and I could have been on that show or seeing um, an ETC show that opened up and, and my, none of my sketches there. And I just re would regret doing it, uh, not being on the NBC pilot because that's what we work for. You know, we work for those opportunities. We do these stages, we, we work in this. I mean, everybody doesn't get to do a stage. I didn't know I was gonna do a stage. I, just, I knew I wanted to be here until I was ready to um, package up whatever my brand of comedy is and take it somewhere. Which I think is totally, so then you go out there, yeah. they don't pick the show up, is that right? Right. Okay. And most people would stay in LA because yes. they tasted it, they have representation, they have right. a manager, right. they, you know, they see the, the, the giant carrot that's been dangling, uh, they see the houses, Beverly Hills houses, they're going to be a star. You decide to come back to Chicago. Yeah. Why did you decide to come back to Chicago? Um, when you're juggling doing sketch improv and stand up, no matter how long you've been doing it, it's like something slacks or something's like not there, or something's not uh, equal uh, as far as talent-wise. I wanted to be considered a headliner before TV affected it. Um, so it's like I want to be able to headline rooms, uh, stand-ups, clubs. I want to be able to headline before I left. I didn't want it to be like he's on TV, so he gets to headline his own weekend. I wanted to be considered like. You know, one of the best or favorite before I left for good. So you moved back here basically to work on your stand-up. Work on my stand-up, sketch, work on just, just like, just work. I knew what, what it takes to like, um, you know, to, I know what the, what, what the process is as far as developing a, a project and like, and, and, make, and how important it is to have a brand. And for me, it's more beneficial to work, work stuff out here and get better here because it's a better place to get better than to be in L.A and do a show that it, you might want to experiment with some things. You have a big wig come see you, and then now he's judging everything off that one Was there a part of you that said, you know what, my brand's not ready? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like, I don't feel like that. I feel like I have enough, but I, I feel like I want more. And, uh, and, and I just wanted to make sure that my stand-up was up to par. I was satisfied myself with where I was as a stand-up. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure I'm as funny as I can could be before I have to like. Because you said something to me, it's like, I'm going to come back to be funnier. And I'm like, how do you do that? What did you mean by that? Um, yeah, I just, I just, I, when I was uh, touring and I was on ETC, I had about 20 minutes of, of, of solid stand up. And characters, I, have, I could improvise my way through 40 minutes if I had to, but 20 solid minutes. Now I have almost two hours of stuff, just based off these last three months of characters, jokes. I, that to me is like finding myself. I knew I hadn't even dealt. I didn't. I didn't dive into like my past and like things that really affected me. And I feel like that's where you get all this. You know, that's the sweet spot in comedy. We talk about all the stuff that's embarrassing. Like half the shit I said tonight. Oh, good. I'm, glad, we, I'm glad I could help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but really getting into like who I want to be as a comedian and like yeah, what I want to represent fully outside of just like. Yeah, yeah, outside of the stuff I've already done, I, w I wanted to f figure out what, what my thing is. And I, and I just wanted to be, you know, hopefully to put a little bit more impact in Chicago as far as, like, my style and where I perform at. I had right. things I hadn't done, like this show. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying this legitimately, I, I've always wanted to do the show. And, like, messing with a friend, I, I, did, I did that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I headlined, like, the Laugh Factory. I just headlined a bunch of, like, stand-up, stand-up. There's a bunch of shows around Does Chicago. Does headlining pay good money? Um, it's not about the money, Jimmy. Really? Uh, it, it's, it pays good money depending. Uh, I guess. It, it, a couple grand a week? Mm. No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, 
it's like uh, <laughs> you, you get paid like more. You get paid the most in a, okay. in a night, right? <laughs> right. Uh, when you when you're like we have a TV credit and you're in a club, that's when it's like. Yeah, you're getting paid good. You're so, paid just so it's basically to get the credit that I had. It's all cred. Okay. Yeah, it's all about it's all cred. <laughs> Comedy street cred. Okay, is what it is. Great, because we don't want them to be confused with the other kind of cred. Which is very different cred. Very different. And I learned that tonight. You have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay. if, if you want to be in a gang, I, I got you. Thank you, man. I Fifty-year-old <laughs> bald white guys in the gang. You be. Hey, man. Hey, Breaking Bad was a thing. That's true. That's true. That's true. Hey. Okay, so let's improvise. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, you like to, what? You like to take certain suggestions? Yeah. Right now, the thing that I like to take is um, something that pisses you off. Now, why do you like to take that? Because it always starts from an emotional place, something that moves you. Okay, great. So, uh, can we have something that pisses you off? Student loans. Student loans. Okay, so now you hear student loans. Yeah. How do you use that to to affect the scene or? emotionally affect you? Uh, student loans, I, it emotionally affects me because I didn't finish co college. Uh, so I just go to that place and then discover whatever happens from there. So there, you don't get like a, something emotional off that? You just like... Anger, yeah. Okay. The college system like just kind of pisses me off a little bit. Okay. Are you ready? Let's go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Deep drop, deep drop. What's up, dog? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming over, man. Hey, no problem. You call me, I come, bro. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Give me some right there. <laughs> Let me hook you up. Yeah, man, hook me up, bro. There you go. Brewski. Oh, yeah. Brewski. Is that like bad or what? Man, dude, hey, I'm glad you gave me the bottle. You got a can. Yeah. Like that, like that. Hey man, I got a got a cut. I got a couple of questions in the shoot, form of man, statements. Shoot man, shoot man, cool. Um, we need to finish that high five, okay? But we didn't finish it. Nah, bro. You remember that last part I showed you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So it's a, it's a, a down. down. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I'm an ego. I'm an ego. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, right? man. That's, That's cool, man. It's for us. Yeah, yeah. Hey, to bros. To bro. Nah, to bros. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I got kicked out of my house again. I thought so. I thought so, man. Why? Uh, I don't know, man, because you came over, like, I called you, I texted you, and, like, you're, you're here, like, in five minutes. Yeah, I was in your yard just hanging out. <laughs> so, like, I just, like, I unrolled the sleeping bag, man, so you can just, you can crash here tonight. That's great. So you take this bag, I'll take your bed. No, man. Huh? Okay, okay. You're only here for a night. Yeah, man. You're the guest. Ego. Ego. <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah, bro. Here. Next week, I'm going to teach you the squirrel. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. Cool. I love a squirrel. Hey, uh, have you taken, like, a couple energy drinks? Yeah. You I just... put Red Bull in mine. Do you want Red Bull? Oh, no, I'm good, man. I heard, on, I heard man. it's a Red the, Bull. I heard it's, it's, like, extracted from the uh, bull's balls. Yeah, that's what that gives you all that energy, man. I don't need that type of energy. But, but, I do got some cocaine. You want hey, some cocaine? Hey, yeah, I'd love, some, I'd love a little coke, a little blow. I'm just playing, man. Oh. What, what, what have I told you about that? Okay, man. You've been, you've been clean for two years, man. That's right, and, man. And, and the second somebody that's cool with you pulls up some cocaine, you want to just sniff? Come on, man. You're better than that. Let's try that again. Hey, man, I got some cocaine. Hey, I got two years. I'm not going to blow it on that stuff. Good job. <laughs>
You sure you don't want a little Red Bull? Yeah, go ahead. Give me some Red Bull. Oh, you're going to love this. Okay. So I was thinking, um, crashing for the night would be great, but like, what if it was like a lot of nights? Oh, you want to stay? Uh, hey, that'd be cool with me. Yeah? Totally cool. Your yeah. mom's not going to care? No, she doesn't care. You sure? I'm positive. Because last time I met your mom, she was like, thanks for the mail. And I was like, what? <laughs> She's just like, I She mean, thinks I'm the mailman, bro. I know, man. OK. She's a little racist. Yeah, a little bit. The football game was on. She was like, are those your brothers? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's just, she gets a little, you know, she gets a little scared. It's fine. It's fine. You know? I'm scared of white people, too. Really? Black people are afraid of white people? Man, yeah. Especially when they're dressed up like police. <laughs> That's it. Man. Or judges. Well, nah, people, it depends on what kind of a robe they wear. But that's, yeah. It's a shorter list. I think it's a shorter list. You know what I thought? What's You're up? the only black friend I have. Yeah? Yeah. That's I, an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, I feel lucky, man. You know, I don't need any competition, because I don't do well in the competition. I know. You know. Yeah, remember we, we had that rap competition, and you just, like, totally choked? OK, listen, I didn't choke. I got choked up. Well, what's the difference? The difference is one is derived from emotion, the other one is derived from fear. Well, you still didn't win. <laughs> Hold on. I, mean, I got out of bed. I breathed air. I was already a winner before I got there. OK, you're right, man. I suck at rapping. OK? I, yes, I choked up and I fucking failed. I'm glad you admitted it, because okay. that's the first time you've ever admitted anything. Well, I don't like, well, you, you always want me to admit things in front of like beautiful women. Like we'll go out, and you're, and you're like, hey, remember that time you peed on yourself? Yeah, I remember that time. No! Yeah. Not in front of her, I don't. Because the only thing is, you always get the women. I never get the women. That's not true. That is true. You remember Maria, the librarian, who would always uh, let you keep the books? She was like 60. That is still a woman. <laughs> this is what pisses me off, all right? Can I be honest with you? Please, you we know. We go out, and you always get the white women. What? You all, the white women love you. That is not my fault. <laughs> but it's true. It may be true, but why would that piss you off? Because I can't even get them. Okay, now you just sound like a hater, man. Listen, you can get white women too, any women. It doesn't matter what race they are, you know? You can get any type of woman. All you gotta do is be a fraction of yourself, okay? <laughs> you know? I got it. Because I'm cool. Cool. Get some cool about you, you know? Just, cool. just chill out. Chill Stop out. Stop staying like a superhero. Okay, okay. Just loosen up a little loosen bit. Loosen up, man. I'm loosening up. There you See, go. See, a, a lot of times you just like talk about you a lot. That, I think that's the thing. I talk about myself too much? Yeah, man. You well, why didn't you tell me that? Because you were too busy talking about yourself. And I was like, I'm not going to spend my time talking about you I too. I want to get laid. I want you to show me how to get laid. Okay. <laughs> um... Uh, I mean, like, should we go out? You want, you want some tips? Yeah, I want some tips. Okay, okay I got, man, okay. Every time, every time I come over, it's a project. Uh, okay. I look up to you. You shouldn't. You know, why shouldn't I? Because, man, I'm an awful person, man. You know, I have some redeeming qualities, but overall, pretty awful. I'd, you know what? 
I, I wake up sometimes and I say, I'd like to be you. That's what I say. That's the first thing you need to stop doing. What? Right? <laughs> you gotta wake up like, I wanna be myself. And then, and then once, you, once you do that, look in the mirror and pick out some reasons why. Let's, let's try that okay. right now, okay? All right, look at this mirror. All right. Okay, for one, you gotta clean your mirror, dog. Okay. <laughs> this is a dirty ass mirror. This is filthy. I don't like to look at myself. Okay, well, okay. This, all right, I'm all right. ready. Now, say something nice about yourself. Uh, I, I'm a great conversationalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now say something that's true. Okay. Uh, I make $35,000 a year. Yeah, okay, say something real. Then. Okay. Um, I, I got a good singing voice. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, listen, say something, say something about yourself that that you may hate, right? Okay. And learn to love it real quick. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. um, um, I'm, uh, I'm out of shape. Yeah, but but why don't you care you're out of shape? Because I make so much money. Ha, 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 there you go. You know what I'm saying? Find a reason. Ego. That's, that's nice, because you got so much money. Let's try to find something that's not so shallow. All right. <laughs> Okay. Besides the money, if somebody okay. stripped the money away from you, right? Right. So I you're have no of, money. I'm totally you have, broke. You have, you're totally broke. Cool. And you're out of shape. Cool. But you don't care you're out of no, shape. No, I don't. Why, why don't you care you're out of shape? Because, because I'm a compassionate person. How's that? That's weird. It's weird? Compassionate to yourself? Uh, yes, and to others. Nice. Okay. Nice. That's a good start. Okay. This is a good start. We're getting, we're getting far right now. Because I think that isn't that what women want? Compassion? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me another one. I'm not a woman, so I mean, I've, I'm always confused. But you get women. Well, you know what? I think there's people that struggle with getting women, and there's people that just get lucky. So I might not be your best teacher, but we can still work it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Listen. All right. Okay. So I'm having a good time. Yeah. This is a good time. Oh, man. So my parents never gave me this kind of attention. No? No. Okay. Man, I'm still looking for mine. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, let's focus up. Okay. Focus up here. Okay. All right. Now, you're out of shape, man. Say something. If you could write a letter to yourself, right? Yeah, write a letter. Three, three lines long. Okay. Give, deliver that letter to yourself right now. Okay. Um, Make it real. I'm making it real. Make it real. I only get three, three letters. Three lines. Three lines. Sentences. Okay. This wasn't, you aren't trying to get me to do more coke, are you? Huh? Lines, coke. If I was, what would you say? I would say no. There, there you go. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, I am a very funny person. Mm. I'm just backing you up with like some, some church shit. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, uh, I am uh, very ambitious. Mm -hmm. Don't look back. For, okay, for okay I'm looking for your I'm looking you for your look, approval. No, you look for approval yourself, okay. man. From uh, in here. I'm very strong. I'm very strong-willed. <laughs> You're not that strong-willed. <laughs> I just made you stand in the mirror and talk to yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> What did you have fun about? Uh, I had I had I had fun in just like uh, trying to discover what is happening between these two characters. I like to start slow and then just kind of like build from there. And sometimes it goes off the rails and you you find it again. Uh, did we go off the rails? I, I am not a good judge of that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was it was time we were trying to maybe trying to like fill out maybe, but not in a bad way I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to find it, trying to continue to dive deeper is like the thing I like to do is 
and, and just try to find something that means something, especially if we're doing one scene. So is there anything we could have done differently? Oh, there's like a thousand different things. Well, does anything come to your mind like, oh, we went down this path, maybe we should have gone here? Uh, I would have stayed. I do this all the time because it's always on, it's always on my mind. I uh -huh. fight it because of like my, my past. I always tend to deal with race when I don't really want to. And my character doesn't really want to deal with it that much. But it ends up happening, and then we have to deal with it. You know what I mean? But uh, I would have chosen to take another route, dealt with something else. Make, Did make, I introduce race to this? I scene? don't even remember. But I know I, I know I do it pretty frequently. Um, so do you, do you, I wouldn't put it on you. I have this theory I'm gonna throw it out at you that if that if 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 a black and a white performer are on stage, race is there e even in the subconscious. Oh, do yeah. you think there's some truth to that? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been, even with this um, couple of recent projects, they're like, oh, yeah, could you play a character that's not a, like a, like, not a black character? I'm like, well, every character I do is a black character. You understand I'm black, right? You know, so, like, that's always going to, yeah, I feel like that's there regardless. Um, but there's a way to handle it, you know, and there's a way to ignore it, in a, in, and not in a way that you're, like, Race is not an issue, but in a way that it doesn't have to be every issue. Yeah, I felt, uh, if I could do it over, that I wouldn't have made that. Because I think some of my choices kind of played into that. You know, like I was the square white guy. Right, and I saw that, so then I played up like the cool black guy thing. But also making fun of your thing. Um, here and there. Uh, because that happens a lot with improvised, with, with white improvised. Mm -hmm. So like, we, we're going to go to the same place. For, so for me as a black improviser, that's a familiar place. But we took it somewhere different based off the relationship. So for me as a white improviser, how could I have done that different? Oh, I don't. I'm, I, I, ooh, I don't Can we know. play the top of the scene again? Yeah. Okay. We'll do like a two minutes. We'll, we'll call it ourselves. All right? Okay. Great. Uh, do you remember what our first line was? Uh, our first line was, thanks for coming over. Great. Thanks for coming over, man. Uh, you got it. You got it. You call, I come. Hey. That's how I go. You seem a little down, man. Yeah, man. I got kicked out the house. Shit. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I cheated again. You cheated on Carol? Yeah, man. She just, she just forgave me, and I cheated on her. And she's like, why'd you do it? And I was like, I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Dude, this is the fourth time. I tried to take your advice, you know. Get out. What? Get the fuck out of here. Come on, man. Carol is my best friend, too. I'm your best friend, too, I know you're first. my best friend from high school, but yeah. when, you got, when you got together, then you were my best friend. Get the fuck out of here. I don't... Come... I, I'm not going to do you any favors if you stay here and you sleep on my floor. Jerry! We have don't been... Jerry me, bullshit. Jerry! Come on, Jerry. This is... You do this all the time. Y'all going to have me kicked out of two houses in one day? Yeah, I'll do that. That's a lot of stress I'm for a person. I'm doing a favor. Yeah. Come on... I, Hey, go fucking run in the streets. You, you got friends out there. I don't, they are not my friends. They try to have me sell cocaine to a iguana. <laughs> Do you think I believe that? Sell cocaine to a iguana? Uh, man. Are you going to cry now? Are you going to cry so I feel sorry for you? Yeah. Yeah, man, because you're the only person I have left, Jerry. You're the only friend I have left that deals with all my bullshit. Okay? I don't want to have to face all the issues out there, man. I'm sorry. Carol is a great woman, and it scares me, okay? It scares me, because she's perfect, and I'm not perfect. I have imperfect she thoughts. I'm best. dirty. I'm a dirty man, Jerry. <laughs> I'm a dirty, dirty man. I don't know what oh, to do about it. Oh, you're going to make light it. of it. It's really funny. It's a big joke, isn't it? No, it's not a big, big joke. joke. I'm just, 
When are you going to get it together, man? I'm trying, man. You know, I went, out to, I went out to the college and I signed up. You signed up, yeah. I signed up for college. What did you sign up for? I don't know. It was a paper. I just signed it. Do you know what classes you're going to take? No, man. I decided to walk in and just fill it out. When you go to college, yeah. okay? Yeah. You take classes. You right. sign up for classes. Do you, have you signed up for any classes? I, no. No, I did not. So you were lying to me. I well, get I, the fuck out of here, come, Jerry. Get the fuck out. I of am here. a shitty person, Jerry. I know that. Come on, man. I know that. Why do you keep putting me up on this pedestal? I never had you get on a out pedestal. The pedestal Jerry. I never had you on a pedestal. You put yourself on a pedestal, Jerry. Listen, you have Tabitha, right? She's the love of your life. You have your mama, and you have the three twins. The three twins. The three sets of twins, and they are all your friends. And I'm your shitty friend, Jerry. Everyone has a shitty friend. You know okay? why I do this? You know why I keep you around? Because it makes me feel better about myself. But you know what? I woke up this morning and I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing myself a favor and I'm not doing you a favor. So get the fuck out of my house before I call the cops. Oh. Oh, you just gonna bring cops into it? I like will bring that. cops. <laughs> as long as we, you remember the last time you went to Halloween? You went to Halloween the whole day? <laughs> And you were like, I don't have any candy. Who gave you that candy? Who? This nigga. That's right. All right. Hey, no. See, when you we do you not upset use that me, word in our house. I'm, up, I'm upset. Oh, are we going to use this word? Nigga, nigga, nigga. Now, <laughs> Jerry, I know you hate that word, okay? Because your mama's a racist and she used it in a completely different context. She does. But I don't condone that. I know you don't, Jerry. And I know there's a lot of things about me that you're going to condone. But see, I. Listen, there's no reason why you should keep me as your friend, but you're the only thing that keeps good looking good, man. You're my, you're, you're my motivation, Jerry. Okay, okay, one night. You have a sleeping bag, one Jerry. One night. Huh? One night, that's it. One night? One night. And no N-word. Okay, man, come on. Okay. You're acting around like I'm just dropping N-words all over the place. I'm not just dropping N-words. I use mine selectively. C. Okay, great. All right. That felt better to me, dude. That's, Why yeah. do you think that went better? Uh, because uh, I think we just, we just, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of scenes that start with, like, put the way I care myself or how, how, how I uh, play and what, how I joke, like, people feel like they have to do a certain thing to play with me when mm -hmm. you don't. Mm -hmm. so, like, I don't have a wide range of stuff I can do, and I'd rather just deal with something real than, like, that to have this like, this is the stereotypical, like this is what we do. So we, it's, it, when you go to stereotypes, it's kind of just like, it's a generic scene that everybody's seen before and it just regurgitates every stereotype we've all seen and we're tired of dealing with. But I feel like this one was just about two people. Well, you know yeah, I mean? it was about the relationship. Yeah, yeah. about the relationship off the, off the bat and it gives you more room to do things and just like figure things out. What do you, you use the N word, uh, what is your feeling about using the N word? Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna get fair count about it. Um, for me, it's uh, it's a word that I use, I do use, and in your life, in, in my in my life, yeah. Okay. Um, because it's been a habit for so long, and I'll eventually like get to a point where I'm, I don't want to use it anymore. But right now, I just I just do, and it's and it's like um, <laughs> none of this is. I mean, people are gonna disagree all all day with what I'm about to say, but I feel like. Yes, people who know they shouldn't say that word should not say that word to, to certain people unless they want a certain outcome, and that's it. But I, am I going to police people for saying it? No. Do I expect that? Do I know that people of all races say it? Yes. 
I know that. Um, and and I respect I respect uh, uh, people more that don't say it. And even and in but in scenes in like on the stage, depending on the context and how things go, if I might get you to try to say it, like that <laughs> that might be a game for me. Especially if I know that you don't like as a person. As how would you have felt if I would have said it? Uh, oh, the scene would have been about that. Okay. And I would have I, I would have just I would have just made fun of it. Okay. <laughs> um, in a fun way, but also like, hey, I don't like that. Unless it was like a legitimate. I've seen some. I've seen some scenes where it's been legitimately used in a way that was smart, and it's like if you have a point about it, then that's cool. If it's just like a, a shock value thing, I don't respect it. You've seen it with white performance. Yeah, well, I've seen it with like Louis the best, like they, Louis C.K. Yeah, did the smartest of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like this, the smart bit of like he and he said it, and it wasn't about saying it, but he, his point was so much deeper and so much and so poignant that it was like, oh man, I can't do nothing but respect that. But if you just like, I've I've seen standups uh, when I would go into like a set and they'll be in the middle of the set where there's like no like black people in the audience and. Just say to say it, and it brings nothing to the joke. It's like nothing to like the point of what you're trying. Or just to make. saying it for shock value, basically. Yeah. yeah, just saying it for shock value, and that's it. Like I'll say it with certain characters that would say it. I'm not gonna just say it just to say it, because I I want to get a rise out of people, especially in a white audience or in a black audience. Like I, we're all used to the word. It's not. It's like saying anything else to me. I remember I did a show at Second City, God show, Tim O'Malley. Yeah. And uh, Norm Holly directed, a great director. Yeah. And I had to play a black character. And I had to use that word. And I got to tell you something, it was the hardest thing for me to do. Because, That's great. But I felt so much shame afterwards. And I would, at the end of the show, I would check to, you know, the black audience members out there. I was like, oh my God, they're going to come after me. Because I, I was not comfortable. Even as in the character, as the character, yeah. I felt uncomfortable. Yeah, this is, I'm saying this now, but I'm, saying, I'm probably a little bit more sensitive than I'm probably leading off to be. Okay. But, uh, to it. But, I mean, in what, so you had to, so a black character. I was playing have a black that word. Though. Right. Okay. You know but I, mean? I was playing a black woman. It was in. It was in the script. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I still, that I, sounds <laughs> awful, Jimmy. Yeah. I just feel like they could have just got a black woman to play this role. <laughs> Wait. So this is. I don't. Okay. We we play, so Tim did his. It was is his, his life, and so we all played multiple characters. Right. We, uh, um, and there was like no black people. There was no black people. First mistake. Okay. okay. No. <laughs> But that it happens. So, and you had to play a black woman. Yes. And, and what was so? What was the reason that she said it? I, it was just in the die. I, I don't even. Re, I don't even remember. It was like a response to what he was saying or something. I would like. probably have a problem with. Okay. Would I hate you forever? No. But that night we would have. I, I'd be like, uh, that was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Me, how I deal with it, I just like, yeah, I just say my bold statements. Like that was some bullshit. Y'all should just had it. Even if you just had a black guy, as soon as you came up to the word, nigga. So just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've had that in shows happen too. Like, and it's a fun little thing, you know what I mean? Because if it has a, again, if it has a point. But like, uh, when improvisers go up and they're like being a black character or being a black woman and feel like to, to play a black man or black woman, you have to say nigga is like crazy to me and that's offensive as hell. Uh, if there's a purpose to it, you know what I mean? And I'll, no one's perfect. So I use it. But I just feel like it's a word that I can use and y'all can't and y'all sh should get over it. What do you feel about white improvisers the, playing black characters? It's cool as long as you can do it and have a point. I, I you know, I'll play a white character or any other race, I guess, but like if you have a point, 
You know, and it's, and it's and you're really genuinely doing it from a place of like this is the art form taking on this character like you would do any other character if you're giving that much commitment. But if you're just doing it to make fun of something, I don't know. I, again, like I make fun of people all the time, so I don't I don't really know you know if I'm the best person to like sit up here and be a spokesperson for it. But um, it's just like playing a black character is more than like yo 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 this that shit's annoying as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, like we don't all walk around like Muppets and just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do this shit and all that shit, or like the Cleveland show neck thing. Like I hate that type of shit. You know? Uh, it's just it's just like there's stereotypes to everything. So if you're gonna play a black character, play him. Play him the way Robbie Downey Jr. plays. Make him funny as hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like Tropic commit, Thunder. Yeah, and uh-huh. commit to it. And oh. you weren't offended by that at all. No, not at all. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some, but but there's some black comics that will be offended by that. There's right? going to be black people, any people, offended with anything ever, right? There's always going to be somebody offended by something. Except Tyler Perry. Uh, nah, I, Tyler Perry is just too rich to give a fuck about any of y'all. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm sure things offend him, you know, because mm-hmm. he got into it with Spike Lee. That's a whole other podcast, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you know, when we're talking about uh, militant or even like just strong black people who have opinions about race and, are, and, and like want things to change, they're going to be sensitive to a lot of different things. We're going to take some questions, but I find this so fascinating. Yeah. Is it a generational thing? Like, would your parents be offended by different things oh. than you would be offended by? So, yeah. So my parents, like, you know, my great, you know, my grandparents, people that they've known had, had to deal with slavery. You know, so like, so. They, they deal like they won't even they won't see like um, like if it's if it's a movie like Roots or like any any movie Twelve Years a Slave they won't see any of that shit. Django, my dad was infuriated with Django. I thought it was a dope movie. Um, he was infuriated. He's like, there's no way no slave doing that bullshit. You know what I mean? And he was just like hated how they like they like it just was so fantasy to him. And and because they had to live like a because they were, you know grew up in Mississippi. That was I mean that's as fucking south as you can get. Uh, well no it's not. On the map, you can get way further south. But people can people can check. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> but like because he had to do it was so close to him. Like he won't he gets offended about things a lot quicker. Like if if he was at your reading, mm-hmm. he would have come up to you after the show with my mom. They'd be like, oh, see, did you really have to say that, nigga? You know what I'm saying? Like he they'll get they'll get offended by that stuff, and they even check me on how many times I'll say it in the show, and it makes me check myself. Like, yeah, am I saying this to like make a point, or I'm just saying this? All right, we're going to take some questions, yeah. all right? Uh, if we can turn the house lights on, Sam. Great. Uh, and uh, Start over here first. Great. Um, with the success of shows like Chappelle's Show and uh, Key and Peele and things like that, do you think that is indicative of a changing of the, uh, the lower levels of comedy, or is, will that seeing that lead to more changing of levels with more diversity? Because I know you said The Freshman was the first sort of uh, black group you saw in Chicago, but uh, that probably changed since you did that. Oh yeah, there's, there's, um, it's probably not the uh, first black group or sketch show, but it's the first one that ran as long as it did in the venue that it ran. Uh, I, and to answer your question with Chappelle, I think Chappelle finally found a way to make black comedy transcend further than just us, or black, just black people, and like be able to, you be able to understand like black concepts, and he, he can be able to speak to, speak from a militant place and actually be able to translate it. Because uh, Richard tried it in NBC. Richard Pryor. Yeah, he couldn't do it. Uh, Dave was just successful with it, man. He, 
we got he had a white family laughing at some stuff that we've been laughing at for years on a national level, and it was cool. Like, and um, yeah, and, and so that's as a as a black actor and comedian, I that's what I strive for to be able to translate. So we can all because we all laugh at similar things. It's just maybe packaged differently, and he just found a way to universally sell it, which was uh, awesome. Great. Another question. I've, I've been wondering. Uh, I've been wondering if improv is uh, it's become like a white art form because there's so many freaking white people in it, and I wonder like um, if that's just a cultural thing. Like, why aren't why aren't there more black people that do improv? Like, you went through Second City and IO, yeah. and it's crazy. You're like looking around, like, why does everybody look the same wearing plaid? And, and, and yeah. it has a beard, so like, yeah, um, it's like the white uniform. No. Yeah. Why isn't, why isn't there more uh, black people in improv? I think it's the uh, institutions for one are are um, placed in parts of the city that just aren't heavily induced with a lot of black people. So like, and, and so we're not introduced to it as much. Like we have stand up. We know stand up. You know, we have stand up clubs all day. Everybody knows what stand-up comedy is. Um, you, in, improv is not as uh, universally known where, where, where we're from, so you have to travel to see it, or you have to like really dig to see it. And it's just, and it's also just not, uh, not so. It's not cool. It, it's not. It's getting cooler, most definitely. There's people who are like, when I first started though, like I was out, you know, on the south side doing jokes, and there was a ton doing stand-up, and I would tell them about improv. And um, they would be like, no, you, you just focus on stand-up. Just focus on stand-up. Like, fuck that shit. You know? And then now they're all trying to come take classes. So it's, so it's um, yeah, I think it's just like the coolness of it, the accessibility. I mean, it's expensive to do, and it doesn't pay. And, um, and, and that, that alone, like, marks off a lot of people. A lot of us in the city, we're struggling, man. So we, we got to make it. We can't, we can't do stuff and not get paid for it. Unless you like really have a true love for it, unless you're introduced at a young age, you know a lot of these. Uh, I mean, even me, I never went to like a, like one of those. Um, they have the summer camps where you get to be int introduced to it at like eight or, or five. You know, I, if I hadn't been introduced to this at five, oh my god, I probably wouldn't know any of you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'd have been working so hard like just to do comedy and acting alone. So I think it's like just the exposure to it, yeah. and then once you're exposed, seeing enough people like you to make you be like, oh, I could do this. Um, because there are so many white actors that are coming up, especially when you're not playing with somebody who's a veteran, you have a lot of people who are saying a lot of ignorant shit while they're trying to find themselves. And so you could be in one class, have somebody say something that you don't like, and that turns you off from improv forever, you know? Um, but I think it's, inter it's integrating a lot, man. Like, now when I go to Second City, I see way more black people there than I did when I started. And I'm sure that that's happened for every, um, like Tim Meadows or whoever else went through the, the pro program, I'm sure it's, it's just it's increasing. Now, I mean, you got the tour company has like black people. Over. I mean, there's just way more black people now. <laughs> uh, and I think as it, as it continues to build, there'll be just more people who will really want to do this art form. And it'll start to change. I think the scene will start to change. But it all did start from like a white boys club, as we called it, you know? That's what you guys called it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you can read Del, you know, read Del Close thing. At first, he didn't even think black people were smart enough to improvise. He is what everybody will consider the creator of this whole thing. So, like, I mean, yeah, it had to take a little time to get to us, but. Do you think, as a black improviser, there can be more opportunities because Second City is, is 
the competition isn't as much, and they're, they're, they're opening the doors a little more and going, there's some opportunities here. Uh, is, is there, are there more opportunities? I mean, if you're talking about is there an extra showcase because it's a diversity showcase, then yeah. <laughs> but is it easier by any, no. It's not easier at all. Um, it's, actually, it's actually harder um, in a way because the things that, I, when you're, improv is about coming from, a, coming from a place, coming from a true real place. So a lot of my experiences, and, and your reference level, like my reference level for the beginning was a lot of things that black people would relate to, but like white people wouldn't know how to deal with it. So the people, in, in a scene, in a scene, right? Okay, so they didn't get where you were coming right. from. Right, so, so it was like, um, it, was a, it was a note that I got, I'm trying to be real specific about it, but it, he was like, um, after a show, because I would always bring up like my past, like the stuff we talked about right. today, like gang stuff or whatever it is, like, hey man, every time you bring up something in a scene, then we all have to deal with this thing that we don't know anything about. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like my entire experience in improv, dude. <laughs> like, I assimilate every time I hit the stage with y'all. Y'all reference Game of Thrones. I haven't seen a fucking episode of that shit. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I'm just like making throne puns. <laughs> and like, like, trying to do what I have to do. But no, like, there's not enough of us that have to have anybody of uh, a color that's not ours have to assimilate to us. So until we get to a point where we can, you know, everybody's just like, we're all finding out new things and having to like read up on stuff so we can all keep in the loop. You know, uh, it's, it's always gonna be kind of a disconnect. I, I just, um, some people, if you're good, if you're good and you're black, you may move up a little bit quicker, uh, but it's hard to get to that point where you're good enough to be like, okay, let's take this, let's, let's see if we can do this, let's see if we can do that. But the second you suck, you're done. You know what I mean? Like, like I've seen people get kicked out of places and have to like rebuild their brand, you know, or stall out. Not be you gotta stay as you gotta stay as funny as you as you were. You always gotta stay you gotta stay two three times as funny, man. Great. Let's take one more question and then yeah. Uh, so uh, earlier you said uh, you you uh, you worked hard at like rapping, uh, but yeah. uh, but you didn't have the focus. How'd you find that focus with comedy or, or elsewhere? Where'd that focus come from? Uh, I think the focus with my, with rap was um, a little bit unattainable about all the things I was trying to do, and and um, uh, and I, it was an unhealthy focus. I I was uh, I was so in it that I wouldn't sleep. I didn't I didn't I, I didn't have a life outside of you were that. obsessed by. I was yeah completely obsessed, and it was just an unhealthy like way of going about it. Everything had to be about rap, and if it wasn't about that, I wasn't hearing it. And so like I was just a completely different person in general. Um, so with comedy, I didn't take it as serious because I didn't like this could either work or it couldn't work. All I know is I have a work ethic that could like maybe get me a piece of the pie somewhere, and I'm just going to develop this thing. I'm not going to take it as serious, and, and I think it's because of that and the fact that it was not me with a group of people trying to be a, a big Wu Tang, but it was like me just focused on me and learning about me. And comedy taught me about me and who I am and digging deep, and and, uh, and I think with all of that and with the business, I already knew how to navigate myself within the business. So um, I didn't have to stress about a lot of stuff. So it was all about get good and see where it takes me. And I think that made, just made it work for me. We gotta wrap this up, Chris. This yeah, has this just been so much fun. I've um, had a ball. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Um, two actually, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> what, what advice would you give somebody starting out in comedy today? Uh, if you don't love it, don't do it. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> That's my advice. Uh, my no, my real advice would be to work, uh, work hard, man. Uh, work hard, 
don't care who's getting what, how fast they get what, um, what you're not getting. Focus on the work. Always make a list of things you can do better. Always make a list of things that you are great at and constantly keep those things in check um, and, and just go out and get reps. Reps, hours, time, you're gonna, there's enough room in this industry for everybody. There's an avenue for you, whatever you wanna do. I would just say like, stay focused and surround yourself around positive people because you're gonna have enough negativity to last you a lifetime. Thank you so much for being here. And there you have it. It's another episode of Improv Nerd in the Can. Can you believe it? And I want to thank our guest, Chris Red. And I love that we uh, re-improvised that scene. And I love that we had a very honest and sincere and candid discussion about race in comedy. Uh, I also want to thank uh, the good people here at Stage 773. These are the people that make us feel like such big rock stars. Uh, also, I want to thank my producer, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the guy who makes it sound so slick and so professional. You wouldn't be hearing my voice if it wasn't for Dan. I want to thank my assistant, Chloe Fitzpatrick. Uh, and uh, also, uh, if you want more information about me and my award-winning improv classes, The Artist Low Comedy, or if you want uh, to sign up for our improv blog, which will make you a better improviser and a better person, well, the person part is up to you, but it will help you with your improvisation, uh, go to our website, jimmycorain.com. Uh, also, we're lucky to be part of this podcast collective called Feral Audio. So go to feralaudio.com and check out some of the most funny and innovative podcasts out there today. Also, we are taking over social media. You probably know this. You probably read it in the papers. So go to our Facebook page and like Improv Nerd. It really helps with my no low self-esteem. Also, uh, go to our Twitter page and follow us, Improv underscore Nerd, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a lot of clips from past episodes up there that are really helpful and very educational. And I want to thank you for listening because without you, There'd be no podcast. It would just be me talking into my microphone, into my computer, sitting on my couch, protecting my couch from my cat so she doesn't scratch it, which is pretty, which is pretty sad when you think about it. So until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island yeah. and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Well, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you fuck. 